Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Hi, thanks for joining us on the Colorado Business Roundtable podcast, Profits and Purpose. And we're welcoming back uh, friends of the program and friends of the roundtable, uh, Lee and Jean with Colorado Workforce Development Council. And I'm going to just ask them to kick us off with an introduction. Lee, uh, tell everybody about you. Thanks so much, Debbie. It's great to be with you. I'm Lee Wheeler-Berliner. I'm the Managing Director for the Colorado Workforce Development Council, also known as the CWDC. And the CWDC is a governor-appointed public-private partnership that exists to oversee, guide, and integrate the work of the Town Development Network throughout the state of Colorado. Our vision is that every Colorado employer has access to a skilled workforce, and every Coloradan has the opportunity for meaningful employment, resulting in individual and statewide economic prosperity. Well, that's wonderful. And Jean, tell us about you. What kind of work do you do for uh, CWDC? Thank you, Debbie. My name is Jean Doherty. I am the Talent Pipeline Analyst. I'm actually in a unique position where I'm shared between the Colorado Workforce Development Council and the Colorado Department of Higher Education. And a part of that work that I do is I author the annual Talent Pipeline Report, which we'll talk a little bit about today. Perfect. Well, and I would just love to say before we jump in, um, part of the work we do with the Colorado Business Roundtable is on issues related to talent and pipeline and that's why our partnership with the Colorado Workforce Development Council is so valuable to us. In fact, uh, you know, we've, I know I've mentioned it before on our podcast, but we recently came out with some road to recovery initiatives and recommendations. And, and a third of those are all around uh, workforce and talent. And how do we make sure that employees all across Colorado, you know, have opportunities available to them? So this is such a critical issue. And I suspect it particularly in these times of COVID and and shut down and reopening and recharging that it's it's top of mind for for all employers in the state. So so great timing to talk about the talent pipeline pipeline report. So Lee, let me start with you. What is the talent pipeline report specifically and why does the CWDC produce it every year? So going back to 2014, the CWDC was tasked by state legislation to create a cross-agency talent pipeline report on an annual basis that highlighted the most in-demand jobs and occupations in the state of Colorado and those skills that are most required by those occupations. The report we released in December of 2020 is the seventh version of the talent pipeline report. And since the first iteration of this report, more than 50 pieces of legislation have been introduced and passed related to talent development in our state. We publish this report to provide data and trends over time that are not apparent from a snapshot, and it allows us to make better informed decisions to strengthen our economy. Therefore, this report is really geared towards policymakers as well as businesses, workforce professionals, economic developers, education and training providers. Anyone from the TalentBound Network who can use this information to inform their work is someone who should pick up this document and engage with the Talent Pipeline Report. This year, we did a virtual launch in December to release this to the public. We included an overview of the report as well as the legislative recommendations contained in the reports. And we were had the privilege of having a panel of state agency leaders from Governor Polis's cabinet to talk about their reactions to the document this year and what it means for work in their specific agency. Well, and I suspect, you know, it's, it's been almost a year, you know, maybe 
uh, let's say, uh, a little bit less than a year since COVID first broke. And as leaders of our state trying to determine such critical issues, I can't imagine what it was like this year to think about talent and all the different changes that have come into play. So how is, and, and Jean, we'll, we'll jump in with you for the conversation. Jean, tell us how is this year's report different than previous years? The report usually documents key features of the current labor force, strategies to align supply and demand, as well as recommendations. The report differs this year, obviously, because of COVID-19. Therefore, with the data we have available, this year the report covers COVID-19 impacts, which includes leading industries and occupations, top-posted skills, vulnerable jobs, permanent job losses, as well as the identification of business resources. So it kind of covers the whole gambit. And I think back to you, Lee, you talked a little bit about the folks who were involved in the launch and some of the collaboration that went into putting the report together. But I, I don't know that you said who specifically was involved in the creation of the report um, and, and who, who was a part of that collaboration. Sure. So it, it's very much a collaborative effort across state agencies. First and foremost, we gather data from the state demographer's office housed in the Department of Local Affairs. We also look at data from the Department of Higher Education, the Department of Education, Economic Development, International Trade, and the Department of Labor and Employment as well. We have a group of advisors from those agencies who help us inform the outline, identify the topics that really need to be brought to light in this report, and then review as we go through the drafts and through the development um, of that document. We also engage with some external partners to get their take on exactly what issues are most salient and how we need to present information in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's I, I've read the reports over the years and a lot of effort and collaboration, as you said, goes into that. And Jean, I can't imagine what your job as an analyst is like, you know, and if, if we had longer, I'd want to know all about like where you went to school and how you got your specific expertise. But when you when I think about how it's organized by demand, supply, strategies and recommendations, you know, what were those key takeaways from the demand section? I'm, I'm more curious about that first. Specifically in the demand section, also it's woven all the way throughout the report is the future of work trends. So due to COVID-19, the future of work trends have accelerated. Trends we initially thought would take more than 10 years to occur happened in a matter of weeks, requiring us to quickly adapt and adopt strategies to fit the current reality and our new predicted future. Um, really, we need to be flexible in our response and strategies moving forward, especially as new information and data become available. The current and future nature of work calls for continuous learning and training to keep up with the shifts in demand, specifically digital literacy, agile learning, and work-based learning all are and will be in demand in Colorado's labor market. Yeah, it really has shifted. I think about, you know, learning how to do webinars, learning how to do Zoom. You know, I don't even know that most of call it would be interesting to do a poll. He, who even knew about Zoom, you know, this time last year, knew how to do it. And uh, the workforce has shifted to some degree because of, of that need. So what are the most, again, back to Eugene, what are the most in-demand skills right now for Colorado's workforce? So in the report, we break down the skills into two different categories. We have essential skills and technical skills. Essential skills are the more general personal qualities that help facilitate interactions with others and are associated with workplace readiness. Technical skills are specific to jobs and industries. Um, the, our top essential skills are communications, management, customer service, and the top technical skills are merchandising, warehousing, and accounting. 
And then can you share more about digital skills and digital literacy? To me, that feels incredibly top of mind, again, with kind of our virtual environment, not only in workplace, but of course in learning as well right now. Um, Pre-pandemic, the future of work was already emerging and it has always been a progressive change in our workforce with the development of new technologies and increasing efficiency in how work is being completed. With the onset of the pandemic, these changes were no longer gradual, and it has resulted in an increased need for digital literacy and inclusion. Digital literacy we define as the ability to use information and communication technologies to find, evaluate, create, and communicate information. This requires both cognitive and technical skills. Digital inclusion, which is one of um, a big fan that this is outlined and identified in the report, is defined as the activities necessary to ensure that all individuals and communities, including the most disadvantaged, have access to and use of information and communication technology. The reason this is important because in the last 10 years, demand for jobs requiring medium and high digital skills has increased and jobs vulnerable to displacement or significant transformation due to technology are disproportionately concentrated among people of color, those without college degrees, workers under the age of 34 and over the age of 50. Yeah, I, I'm even thinking of, um, you know, when we think about the most disadvantaged, we just added uh, Lloyd Lewis to our board, who's the CEO of our thrift store. And they do some incredible work in the community in terms of training Coloradans with uh, mental and physical disabilities. And this could be a really interesting playbook for him as he keeps expanding those opportunities more and more. Besides Arc Thrift, you know, what they do in terms of mission and purpose as an organization. So um, very, very cool looking ahead at the future. Um, so Jean, another another follow-up question for you. So the talent pipeline also shares, uh, the talent pipeline report, excuse me, also shares top jobs. And what is a top job? And what are the top jobs identified specifically in this year's report? Top jobs are one way we look at demand in the state. A top job is an occupation with more than 40 annual net openings statewide. The job has an above average growth rate over 10 years, which is about 10% job growth over 10 years and a good wage. A good wage is where the top jobs are broken down into two different tiers. Um, tier one is a, a living wage that can support a family of three, and that's with two adults, one that's working and a child, and that wage is $25.88 an hour. Tier two is a living wage that can support an individual adult and that is $13.43 an hour. The highest growth top jobs really fall into three different categories that I'm seeing, and that's computer and mathematical, educational instruction, and healthcare occupations. Examples of these occupations include information security analysts, nurse practitioners, and post-secondary teachers in subjects like engineering, biology, business, and psychology. And it almost begs the question of, you know, a little bit more information about Colorado's labor market in general. You know, we're fortunate. We end up um, through the Colorado Business Roundtable. We get to have some collaboration meetings with other roundtables across the country. And I always think about how, oh my gosh, we're, we're a top five state in almost every metric. And some of the problems uh, these other states have, we don't have. Of course, we have our own unique set. But in terms of labor force, what can you tell us about how Colorado um, ranks and some other information about Colorado? In 2019, Colorado actually ranked fifth in labor force participation. So you were spot on on saying ranking fifth or in the top five. Uh, we were just behind D.C., Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska. 
men and individuals with higher education are more likely to be in the labor force. And we are the second fastest in growth of individuals 65 plus. So this really further highlights the demand for A, healthcare workers and B, upskilling and reskilling people as we're really living and working longer. Well, first, I never want to be behind Nebraska, so we need to really work on that. That doesn't seem like the, the right state, right, in that metric. And I actually like, you know, in some measures pre-COVID, we were the number one state in the country, you know, on some economic models. So we're all competitive, right? We want to be in that in that top top sphere. But unfortunately, COVID has had some impacts as well, like it has with other states. And we've actually followed some data about how COVID is particularly impacted working moms, um, women in the workforce, and we've, we've seen some interesting reports on that. But how, in your mind, Jean, has COVID affected labor participation? I'm really glad that you brought this up because since the onset of COVID-19, the overall labor force participation rate has dropped, and we've since climbed back up to almost pre-COVID numbers, but this may fluctuate as restrictions come and go. This drop is specific, especially apparent for women uh, overall labor force participation rate for women has dropped across all races and ethnicities. A recent economic release from the Bureau of Labor Statistics indicated that nationally, women's non-farm payroll jobs decreased by 156,000 in December. Um, these women actually accounted for all of the 140,000 net non-farm payroll jobs lost in December, which is a really disheartening number to see. Um, prior to this startling statistic, McKinsey had actually released an article stating that the COVID-19 crisis has driven as many as 2 million women, particularly mothers of young children, to consider leaving the workforce and stepping back from their careers. So in short, labor force participation has decreased due to the pandemic, and it's climbing back up to pre-pandemic numbers. But women, specifically women of, of color, are being highly impacted by this pandemic. Yeah, and I and I feel optimistic that that will fix itself to some degree. I mean, our belief is the ultimate the ultimate stimulus is the vaccine and some level of consumer confidence, and then we'll start to see childcare centers, you know, have kind of a reset, the education system have a reset, and provide that level of comfort, especially for working families, to be able to continue to have perhaps two wage earners in a household. And it's been, um, you know, unfortunately just a product of the pandemic, but I don't know if you feel some optimism that in the next year or two that'll reset to some degree. Yeah, I think that it's going to climb back up. And I think that number one is awareness of that this is happening. And number two is putting that awareness into action. And so I think that I've seen outrage and um, people discussing the statistic, and that's the first step for moving forward. So I hope the same thing. Yeah, well, we're, we like having those conversations too. You know, what strategies can be put into place? In particular, folks will see some things come out with some partnerships we have regarding childcare and maybe some ways to really free up supply. Uh, you know, sometimes these things are just economic issues. You know, if supply and demand is out of whack, uh, you know, the childcare system isn't there to support working families. That's going to, that's going to affect labor force participation. And in that same venue of we're all in this together, you know, how do we think about how to be problem solvers, even in the midst of kind of tough times? But I share your concern, Jean, with that, those statistics revolving women, especially minority women, and what can be put into place to add some additional um, help for them as we're moving our economy forward. So 
Um, as you think this is back to you, Lee, um, what are some of the strategies Colorado is currently using and expanding um, in terms of, of workforce? So the strategy section in the Town Pipeline Report is one of the more robust sections, and I encourage people to dig in as they have the time to download that from our website. Four items that I'll touch on now. The first is regional public-private partnerships that are led by business. We have a really strong model for sector partnerships in the state of Colorado. Since 2007, more than 30 of these industry-led regional partnerships have been launched and expanded that allows business to set the agenda for what they need to tackle in their community related to their talent pipeline, but also other barriers that they need to overcome together. So really allowing businesses to be the drivers and having public partners listen and understand how they can support those efforts has been a key piece of what makes Colorado work. Another strategy that we're promoting heavily right now as we recover from the pandemic and move forward is skills-based hiring. And this is a technique that allows industries to be more specific about what their hiring needs are. They can cast a wider net for filling a job and it creates a more diverse candidate pool in the hiring process. So skills-based hiring can create better fits in employees and enhance the equity and diversity of of a company as well. We also have strategies around upskilling frontline workers, specifically in the retail, food service, and hospitality industries. We have an initiative active in 2021 called Lives Empowered, which is providing resources to businesses to get their employees to be certified in specific areas, to gain new skills, and ultimately to grow. The retail sector is sometimes thought of as a dead-end industry, and we really look at it as a jumpstart industry. And those are careers that people can enter without any skills. They can learn a ton. They can develop and grow within that uh, vertical and in that industry or take those skills to a lot of different places as well. So there's great support happening now through Lives Empowered to support frontline workers. And lastly, I'll mention this focus on digital literacy and inclusion that was already touched upon earlier in this conversation. Demand for jobs requiring medium and high digital skills has increased with 77% of all jobs requiring some amount of digital skills. And we know that 84% of small businesses use at least one digital platform in 2020. And so there has to be the right amount of focus on equipping individuals with the resources they need to become digitally literate and to be functional in today's environment. Uh, Lee, tell me a little bit more about CoPower 21. That is an interesting name, and I'm uh, really interested to hear more about what you've developed with that. So the recommendation section of the 2020 Talent Pipeline Reports is dubbed CoPower 21, which is Colorado's plan for workforce and economic recovery in 2021. We know that as a state, we need to focus on our talent pipeline to facilitate an equitable recovery that creates more opportunity for prosperity throughout the state of Colorado. And so the CoPower 21 plan is a collection of strategies, investments, and policy recommendations that together are a bold response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And we believe they will stimulate growth by focusing on three different things. The first is stabilizing businesses and stabilizing individuals. The second is accelerating talent development and leaning into strategies that can help enhance the pipeline for a specific employer. And the third phase is preparing all segments of the labor force for immediate and a long-term future. We know that the pandemic has created a lot of different shifts in the skills that are required and in the pace of change that is happening in our businesses. So as we think about stabilize, that body of work is about understanding what jobs exist. There continue to be a lot of jobs that are open and a lot of hiring that has happened in the midst of the pandemic. And so it's about the states identifying those jobs, having the data that tells that story and getting that data into the hands of individuals so they can make choices that are right for them. CoPower 21, a piece of the talent pipeline report or is it a separate initiative? 
It, it is written up in the Talent Pipeline Report. We are, we are launching it through the Talent Pipeline Reports. There are a number of different activities that are being engaged in and focused on by various state agencies and local partners throughout 2021 that are referenced in this plan. Okay, great. And I, and I interrupted you, Lee. You were going to tell me more about, um, more about the initiative. You bet. So okay. one of those strategies that is being promoted is work-based learning and apprenticeships and the idea of accelerating some of those things and taking them to scale. As a business is rebuilding its talent and thinking about how they operate in a more lean environment, apprenticeships can be a great way to use less dollars to cultivate talent and to bring people into your company and prepare them for the jobs that are going to be there in the future and make sure they have the right skills to move forward. So that's an example from that accelerate phase. And as we think about the prepare aspect, we're really leaning in towards what aspects of um, talent development has this crisis highlighted and how can we ensure that we have the right education mechanisms in place to upskill individuals and reskill them for those jobs of the future that are coming online much faster than we anticipated uh, prior to the pandemic. And so as we think about preparing, there's items there for businesses to engage with around how they can support education how they can tap into resources to retrain their own workers and to ensure they're moving forward with the right skill sets and with the right talent to drive their company into the future. Yeah, very cool. And as you know, Colorado Business Roundtable wants to be a partner on all of the above. You know, we've got folks uh, as, as part of our organization that are incredibly involved with P-TECH, for example, um, skills-based jobs. You know, you're, you're speaking our language. As I think through all this, how do you also fit in um, strategies for traditional higher education or any kind of other education reform? Do you see this as complementary or just making sure that there's plenty of paths and options for all Coloradans to have the perfect path? We see this work as very complementary. And the concept of skills-based hiring, as an example, does not mean that higher education is not important and we would never advocate not to pursue higher education. What we want to paint is the picture of the continuum and what skills, what credentials, what degrees are necessary for specific jobs and what occupations lead into other occupations and what credentials stack into other credentials. And so it really is a focus on ensuring that every Coloradan has awareness of the pathways that they can pursue and they have the ability to start and they have access to an on-ramp for whatever industry they want to go into and want to pursue and they can get the right fit that's going to work for them and their lifestyle. Yeah, I, those, are, those are great terms. I think you used the word jumpstart job earlier, if, if I got that right, and an on-ramp to a career. And as I know from being a mom myself with three different kinds of um, adult kids, that, that there's not one path for everybody. And so to have more choices and more opportunities for folks to find their career and their path and their opportunities to succeed and thrive, you know, is just so critical. And I think about the jobs of the future, too, for our conversation. You know, there's so many uh, technical skills and a lot of employers are starting to even train their own workforce, um, you know, and, and that leans in to a lot of what we're seeing in the private sector in terms of what those specific skills are. Um, to lead them through their growth here in, in Colorado. Lee and Jean, as we're wrapping up, where can people learn more or access the report we've been talking about today? The first stop is the CWDC's website at coworkforcecouncil.org. You can download the report there. You can also make a request to have a presentation. And if you want our team to come to your community to talk about this report and what the regionalized outlook looks like for top jobs in Pacific County, we're happy to do that moving forward. Great. Jean, any last words of wisdom on this report? Was there was there one thing that really struck you the most in terms of 
you know, big picture optimism uh, looking ahead? The future of work trends are really a light at the end of the tunnel for me because I know I've been a big advocate for a lot of the future of work trends that have already happening. And now that they were expedited, it was able to bring to light where we really need to um, fortify our strategies and moving forward. I think another interesting aspect to me is when Lee was speaking earlier about different credentials and there's no one size fits all for a certain life circumstance. I think that that all drills down to transparency of what's happening and knowledge about what's going on in the state. So I just want to echo that as well. Yeah, well said. And one of my lines I always think is, uh, you know, nothing solves a lot of problems like a good job. And so the more that we can help Coloradans find a job that's a great fit for them and help employers find talent, you know, it probably makes the work that you're all doing feel especially fulfilling, you know, when you're helping to make um, all those puzzle pieces come together. So just want to thank you again, uh, Lee and Jean with Colorado Workforce Development Council, having a conversation about the Talent Pipeline Report and the important work that these folks do in Colorado to bring us all together. And probably if anything else this year has taught us that we're all in this together and uh, Colorado has been strong before and we're going to come out really, really strong thanks to the work of you guys and, and all that you bring to the table. So thanks so much for joining me. And this has been a podcast with Colorado Business Roundtable. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.